0: I want to come behind Pastor Greg on the small group announcement and just tell you that if you're not in a small group, you're missing it. You know, I go back 30 or 40 years, roughly, unfortunately, to my first small group, and some of those men and women in that first small group are still close friends of mine. Even though we're not in the same church together, we might not even be in the same geographic area together. But I'll never forget that. And to this day, I still continue to do that. So as Pastor Greg said, if if you don't know where to go, call the church. Now, I have asked Luke and Pam to always give my group as their recommendation. So actually, if you want to save time, you don't have to call the church. Just sign up for my group. Just kidding. All right, everybody, small group leaders out there saying we're going to get him. Uh, They're all great groups. Call the church or sign up for a small group. It's important. So. You know, I know some of you here are very disappointed right now because you were hoping I would start with a song, which I normally do. Okay, but I have to tell you that, you know, I'm I'm getting older now, and so I was thinking, should I be, you know, more reserved when I preach? Should should I be a little more, you know, mature in what I do? So I gave that a lot of thought, and I said, seriously, that's not going to happen. So our title today is I Heard It. Through the grapevine. iconic Motown song. There's a few of you in here that said, what was that and who was that? Okay, for those of you a little older, who was singing that song? Bam! Gladys Knight and the Pips. Okay, so they recorded this. I won't make you come up with the year. 1967. 1967 song was written and performed by Gladys Knight and the Pips. It went to number two on the Billboard charts. But the next year, 1968, someone else covered that song, meaning they sang it, even though they didn't write it and originally do it. Someone else sang it. Who was it? Marvin Gaye. Come on. Now, Marvin Gaye recorded it. One year later, it went to number one on the Billboard charts and stayed there for seven consecutive weeks. Come on. All right, enough Motown trivia. Let's go to the title of our message, I Heard It Through the Grapevine. I'm going to read to you, some of you may know where that saying came from, but I'm going to read to you for those who don't, so you'll understand. The term originated in the USA and comes from the telegraph system invented in the 19th century by Samuel Morse. The system required thousands of miles of telegraph wire to be installed, held in place every several yards above the ground by telegraph poles placed at regular intervals, along the telegraph route. People thought the wires and poles looked like the strings used to train vines, so the telegraph lines, those lines, became known as the grapevine. During the American Civil War, rumors were often spread via the telegraph lines. When people were asked whether a particular story was true, they would often reply, I heard it through the grapevine. So there you go. Now... Interestingly, that term is usually used in the context that the person speaking really doesn't know if what they're saying is true or not. It's usually a rumor. There's no factual basis many times. They just heard it through the grapevine. So today we're going to be talking about this whole issue of hearing. So Shiloh has a four-part vision. Many of you know this. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. So today our message is going to be under the topic of finding freedom. So probably not a surprise to you any more than it is, was to me that the Bible has a lot to say about what we hear and how we hear, how we listen. So let's look. We're going to start our message with some scriptures just to support this whole idea of why what does the Bible say about hearing, and why is it important? So Jesus speaking in Mark 4.24 in the Amplified says this, Then he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear by your own standard of measurement, that is, to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom. It will be measured to you, and you will be given even greater ability to respond, and more will be given to you besides. Besides. So our first clue for hearing, and we're going to see this throughout our message, is that, that proper hearing, where Jesus says, pay attention to what you hear, is built on spiritual truth of his word. 1 John 4.1, my dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. Wow. The message, huh? Gets right to it. 2 Timothy 4.3 For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their passions. And lastly, Proverbs 18.15 An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. So those are interesting words from the Bible because we live, you and I, in a definite world obsessed with the grapevine where truth many times is subjective, it's situational, and the truth is never either of those. Even more concerning is that much of what we hear is from people who only have a partial bit of the truth and they mix it with non truth so in, in reality, it becomes no better than a lie. So I love the Sermon on the Mount, even though the Sermon on the Mount is quite convicting, if you've read that. But I love this part in 5 where Jesus says repeatedly, I told, you know this, but here's the truth. You've been told this, but here's the truth. So he does that repeatedly. We're going to look at a few of those repeatedly. This is in... Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 says this, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. 27, You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. 31, It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. 33, Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. 38, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. And Jesus took every one of these and he said, you heard this, not half truth. Now let me tell you what the real truth is. Okay, so in every one of these scriptures, here is what I hear Jesus saying. This is the Bible according to Ed. All right, this is what he says. What you have heard is coming to you through the grapevine, but I tell you this is not the whole truth. But I can and I will tell you the whole truth. And while my words that you will hear will seem more difficult than your current understanding, if you will listen and obey, you will then know the whole truth, and it's the whole truth that will set you free. That's what I read in those, and that's encouraging to me because I know I can go to Jesus Christ for the truth. And I don't have to worry about getting a half-truth. Isaiah 11 says this, a a prophetic word about the coming Messiah. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And this is verse 3 and 11 he will delight obeying he will delight in obeying the lord he will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay see when you and i have heard something enough times as human beings after a while we can actually believe something's true just because we've heard it maybe from different people or whatever the case may be but we've heard it often enough that we just believe it's true so let me give you a good example of this from days gone by, okay? At the turn of the century, coming up into the 1900s, experts had this belief. They said that the human body was simply not capable of running a sub-four-minute mile. It, just, it, it wasn't that it was only dangerous, it was impossible, so in the nineteen forties, rocket forward, the record was pushed to now someone had run the race, a mile race, in four point one second. Okay? Four minutes, one second. And you know that stood for nine years. For nine years, no one ever passed four minutes and one second. Why? Because runners really struggled believing that that was not the pace that probably you'd want to go if you wanted to live. However, on May 6th, 1954, a man broke the four-minute mile for the first time. You know who it was? Nope. Somebody got in the first one. Roger Bannister, okay? And here's what he ran the mile in. Three minutes, 59.4 seconds And he lived. So this had stood the test of time forever. And here it was. And guess what happened right after that? People started breaking the four-minute mile on a fairly regular basis. So no matter how long or how many times we hear the same thing, it doesn't mean it's true. So what are we to do? How do we figure this all out? Well, when in doubt, go to the one who is the truth? Not Paul Pierce. The truth. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, that was a truth my mentor brought to me very early in my Christian walk. And it's, he brought me to this through the scripture in Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, that scripture would become a life force for me in the years ahead from that age of 25. This faith that Romans talks about, it starts when we first what? We hear the gospel, okay? Okay. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The first thing that anyone needs to hear to start applying that is you need to hear the gospel. So what is the gospel? We get confused sometimes. The gospel is simply only this, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He was born a man. He suffered a horrible death by being crucified on the cross for your sins, because he was sinless, for your sins and my sins. And then he rose again from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit so that you and I can live eternally with him in heaven. There's the entire gospel. You know, Paul said, that's what I want to preach. I only want to preach this, Christ and him crucified. So the gospel's not complicated. It's not all the things you got to do. It's not all the things you got to do after it. Here's the gospel. And when we hear that, Sometime in our lives, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a TV program, Billy Graham crusade, I don't know what it is. But sometime or other, we hear that. And when that truth, because that's pure truth, comes to us, see, that 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 faith that leads us to salvation comes by hearing, and we grow in our faith. We grow in the ability to know real truth by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. See God's word is truth. And I can rest entirely in the truth of that word no matter how difficult it may be at times. And just so you'll know, I don't have faith in the Bible. <laughs> I have faith in the God of the Bible. Okay? I don't worship the book. I worship the man or the God who wrote the book. You see, we live in a world today where we are surrounded by news about the horrific things that have happened, could happen, will happen, whatever the case may be. And a lot of people are fearful, not knowing what to expect. But if you know God's word, and you know 2 Timothy 1.7, then you know that God hasn't given Christians a spirit of fear. But what? Power, love, and a sound mind. Do you sometimes think you're crazy? Come on. Sometimes? Yeah. And God says, hey, you have a sound mind. When I was in my late teens and 20s, I was going with my wife, and I was a little messed up back in those days for many reasons. And I would look at Barbara and say, I'm crazy, aren't I? I am crazy, right? And she would always tell me I'm not crazy. I don't know whether she absolutely believed that, but um, it was very important to me. So we know we don't have a spirit of fear. You know, things go wrong. What does the Word say in Philippians? It says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God your needs. Don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. This peace will keep your heart still and at rest as you trust in the Lord Jesus. That's what the Word says. I don't know about you. I use the scripture a lot, all right, because I will tend to see things and start to worry and then realize, no. See, things labeled as the truth that we hear many times in this life, many times are not truth at all. And they do not set us free as God's word does. In fact, they leave you and I, can leave you and I discouraged, depressed, hopeless. All right? So here's what the apostle Paul said. He said, let me give you some good advice. All right? And Paul, you know, I'd listen to Paul. He's a good guy. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, I don't know about you, but take a, take a kind of an inventory of your thoughts. How much of your time is thinking on those type of things? One of the Christians I greatly admire is Nicky Gumbel. And Nicky Gumbel had this to say in one he's spoken into my life many times. I I have loved hearing Nicky's thoughts and words. He wrote this in one of his recent devotionals. The media is dominated by money, possessions, houses, cars, food, physical beauty, and outward success. The Bible is very different. It stresses the importance of the invisible, the inward and unseen aspects of our character, the thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes that determine our outward behavior. See, so many people think they are getting truth from sources like the news, from people they believe are telling the truth, but in many cases they are not telling the whole truth. So let me just make sure I make, as I was doing this, I was a little concerned. I don't want to get an email, so let me explain to you. This is not a political statement. Don't, don't, Don't locate me by this. I had issues with the media 35 years ago. I decided this is me personally. I decided that I would not watch the news anymore. And when I deemed it to, I'd be very selective where I watch that news. And if I could possibly, most of the time, I want to read the news because it takes all the drama out that people inject in the reporting. And and see, I came to this is my opinion. I want to know when some idiot, some Satan possessed person goes in and shoots. 50 people or 13 people somewhere. I want to know that because I want to be able to pray. But here's what I don't need to know. I don't need to know all their names. I don't need to know uh, where they lived. I don't need to know where the guy got the gun. I don't know, need to know what his upbringing was. I don't need any of that, okay? What I need is just to be able to pray for the tragedy that is gone on. Now, again, you can disagree with me. It's all right. But but I I have... I have really benefited by not sitting in front of that TV and listening to, to people tell me. I love it when the political speech is over, and then people tell you what you heard. I mean, I just listen to it. And then they're going to tell me, here's what he said. I just listen to it. All right? So I get a lot of good news from one source. The Bible. And you, well, yeah, the Bible's old. Let me tell you something. Add Bible will kick butt any day of the week against any other news you get. It's as, it's as relevant today for you as a believer, much more relevant than any other uh, truth you will get. So in that vein, I'm going to read you something. I don't usually do this, but I was reading an article a few months back, and as I read it, I got more and more excited. And, and I said, oh, I want to share that. So I'm going to share this with you. This is not a spiritual article. But you know, if you know anything about Pastor Greg, what is Pastor Greg like? Data. Never forget that. Data. Okay? If you want something for Pastor Greg, bring data. And he is great with that. All right? So this is an article on data only, but it's very interesting. This is an article by uh, Max Roser from Economist at University of Oxford. And he entitled the whole thing, Our World in Data. And then he says, as his subtitle, The Short History of Global Living Conditions and Why It Matters What We Know. That w- and why it matters that we know it. So here's what Max had to say. A recent survey asked all things considered, do you think the world is getting better or worse? Well, in Sweden, 10% thought the things are getting better. 90% didn't. In the U.S., there were only 6% of the people who thought it was getting better, and Germany, only 4%. Very few people think that the world is getting better. So what is the evidence we need to consider when answering this question? If the question is about the whole world, then as a whole, the answer must therefore incorporate and include everybody. To see where we are coming from, we must go back in time. You know five years, 10 years, 30 years, even 50 years is not enough time to see a trend of the whole world, okay? To avoid portraying the world in any kind of a static way, because changes don't occur all the time in smaller increments, and smaller increments can be 30 and 50 years when you're talking about some of the things that we're going to be looking at. We have to start 200 years ago before the time when living conditions changed dramatically. Researchers we're going to start with this uh, on extreme poverty. Researchers measure extreme poverty as living today with less than $1.90 per day. These poverty figures take into account non-monetary forms of income, different price levels in different countries, and all of that adjusted for inflation. A lot of work goes into that. So this is the chart that we'll show you. I know you can't read it. I don't like showing charts you can't read, but there was no way to get this large enough uh, to be seen. So I'm going to, you'll see the trend. The first chart, this chart, shows the estimates for the share of the world population living in extreme poverty. In 1820, only a tiny elite enjoyed higher standards of living While the vast majority of people lived in conditions that we today would call extreme poverty. The number, if you look at the chart, you can see it is 90% of every human being on the face of the earth lived in extreme poverty. That should be shocking. Since then, the share of the extremely poor has fallen continuously. However, slowly for a long period of time, but in 1950, two-thirds of the world were still living in extreme poverty. In 1981, it was down to, to 42%, but in 2015, the last year that they have this data to report, the share of the world population living in extreme poverty has fallen below 10%. It is particularly remarkable, these particular statistics, when you consider that the population today versus the early 1800s is seven times larger. See, in the long time in which the world lived in a non-growth world, the only way to become better off is if someone else got worse off. Economic growth changed that. Growth made it possible that you are better off when others become better off. Unfortunately, the media is overly obsessed with reporting single events and with things that go wrong and does not nearly pay enough attention to the slow developments that reshape our world. With this empirical data on the reduction of poverty, this is what the media could report. The headline would be this. The number of people in extreme poverty... Excuse me, the headline would be this. Hold on the number of people in extreme poverty fell by 130,000 since yesterday. So that's a lot, right? But listen to this. And they wouldn't have to change this headline once because every single day since 1990, on average, there were 130,000 people fewer in extreme poverty every day. I would guarantee you that's a statistic you've never heard. Literacy. In the past, only a tiny elite were able to read and write. Today's education levels level is, again, a very recent achievement. It was in the last two centuries that literacy became the norm for the entire population. If you were alive in 1800, there was a 90% chance that you weren't able to read. Today, more than 80% of the people on earth are able to read. Health. One of the reasons why we feel we do not see progress is that we are unaware of how bad it was. Let's take one specific area. In 1800, the health conditions of our ancestors were such that around 43% of the world's newborns died before their fifth birthday. 43%. Initially, rising prosperity and the changing nature of social life mattered more than medicine. It was improvements in housing and sanitation that improved our chances in the age-old war against infectious diseases. But surely science and medicine mattered as well. A more educated population achieved a series of scientific breakthroughs that made it possible to reduce the mortality and disease further. With these changes, global health improved in a way that was unimaginable by our ancestors. In 2015, child mortality was down to 4.3%, tenfold lower than two centuries ago. You have to take this long-term perspective to see the progress we have made. None of the achievements over the past two centuries as is education could have been made without the expansion of knowledge and education. Focusing on the educational breakdown, the projection, projection suggests that by 2100, There will be more than 7 billion minds who will have received at least a secondary education, the vast majority of this world. With the great importance of education for improving health, increasing political freedom, and ending poverty, this projection is very encouraging. So why do we not know these facts about how our world is changing? More than 9 out of 10 people do not think that the world is getting better. How does that fit in with the empirical evidence. One reason for this is that the media, which is a primary way people get perspective on the world, focuses mainly on things that go wrong. The media focuses on single events, and single events are often bad. Positive developments, on the other hand, often happen very slowly and never make the headlines in this event-obsessed world. When we are ignorant about global development, it is not surprising that few people think the world is getting better. We have just seen the change over time. The world is, in fact, healthier, richer, and better educated. For our history to be a source of encouragement, we have to know our history. Our hopes and efforts for building a better future are inextricably linked to our perception of the past. Freedom is impossible without faith in a free people. And if we are not aware of our history, and falsely believe the opposite of what is true, we risk losing faith in each other. As I said, this document is not meant to be a spiritual document. That's not the intent. It is simply a data document. And and it's an important data document because it has truth in it. It is based on long-term trends, and long-term trends are necessary when answering long-term questions. Like, one, is our world getting better or worse? Now, just so we don't misunderstand, it would be my hope that we could eradicate, I don't care how many people are in, are in uh, extreme poverty, I would love to see every one of them out of that. I would love to see everybody educated. I would love to see all those. But chances are that's not going to happen until God comes again, till Christ comes again. So, but this is only one area the whole area of how we get our information and our news, there's other areas where we have to watch what we hear. What do you hear from others? Or what do you hear in your own head telling you about who you are and not telling you that you are loved and desired by the God of all creation? What do you hear from others about other people that changes your perspective on them even though you have no idea if it's true or not and you haven't experienced it? You know, what have you been told you never could do or you never would become? What has happened to you in the past? Do you ever have these events? It's usually a very negative event where you can replay the words, the, the looks, the attitude, how you felt. Ten years, 20 years, 30 years later, you can do that. You know, God called me up short on, on one of those in my life. That I, you know, someone else would mention it and I would just go off. And, I, and God said to me, you, you need to forgive You need to get beyond that. So here's my my question. Starting today, will you join me in being more careful about what you hear and as a result, what you say from that? Will you search in God's Word to combat things that are not true and shouldn't be things that you're hearing? Will you question things you hear no matter where the source is until you believe that they line up with God's Word? And, and that's kind of the key. Will you spend time in God's word so that you know? So you can just bring those scriptures up when something to the contrary to the Bible, which is real truth. So I was driving. I had a, a, every, whenever you're preaching a message, you have a close. You have something you're going to say at the end. And so I had done that. I was driving here this morning, and, and God just said, I'm going to change your clothes. He didn't, he didn't say it verbally. I, I just got that impression. And I said, oh, God. You know, I got this all set. <laughs> no, no, here's what, he gave it to me. So here's the close. You know, the most important thing you'll ever hear is when either you read or someone tells you the gospel. When you are, are given that opportunity to hear who Jesus Christ really is and, and you can take that knowledge, what you've heard, and, and by faith, which God gives you, by the way, you can accept him as your Lord and Savior. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can go beyond knowing who he is to having him in your life, to having him able to direct you, to forgive you, to love you, to change things. And that's, there's nothing you will ever hear in your life more important than that. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to give everyone here a chance that if you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this is maybe why you're here at Shiloh today. So I'm going to put another tag of a group on on this one invitation, and that is you're here today, and you're not holding on. In fact, you've let go. Maybe it's something going on in your life. Whatever it may be, you've fallen away from God, and you're not walking with him. You may be sitting in here, and other people may think you are, but you're not, and you know it. So... A lot of churches you go to, they'll say, bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and, and I wonder, why would people do that? Because this should be the best decision anyone ever makes. But you may say, well, it's embarrassing. Embarrassing? Come on. Here's what Jesus said. If you'll acknowledge me before men, what? I'll acknowledge you before my Father. If you deny me or won't recognize me in front of men, then I'll deny you and won't recognize you. I mean, how clear can that be? How excited shouldn't it be? when you are going to give your life to this God who's going to be your Lord and Savior, not only shouldn't you be embarrassed, look, we've all been here. If you're sitting here today, we've all been here. I raised my hand in front of hundreds of people, okay? But this is an opportunity for you. It's such a great opportunity. And and again, if if you're embarrassed, people won't even remember you raised your hand when they are at lunch this afternoon. I mean, it's not about what other people think. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you, if you're here today, then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and proudly declare that this day Christ is your Savior, that this day you're turning around from being away from God and coming back to God. Father, I pray you will move on the hearts. If there's anyone here that fits those criteria, Father, I pray you will release in them a spirit of, of strength and conviction that they would feel free to be able to do that, knowing that they are surrounded by people who have done the same thing and we'll just love to invite them in to this amazing family. If that's you, would you raise your hand today? I want to pray with you before we go any further. If you're here today, I see the hand, okay? I see one. Keep it up. Anyone else? This is your day. Come on. This is your day. Anyone else? Anyone else here? This is your day to raise your hand and say, Christ, you are my God and my Savior. It's your day to come back to that same understanding you once had. Anyone else? Anyone else? Make sure if you raise your hand that I see it. I see that hand back there. Amen. Anyone else? We'll wait. Keep your hand up just for a second. I'm going to pray specifically at those hands. Anyone else? Yes, I see those two hands. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Oh, I love this time. Anyone else? All right, Father, you have seen these hands in these people. You know who they are. You've gra- captured them in a special way today. And Father, I am. I. This is the most exciting times of my life. Is when when. Others do what I had to do and wanted to do and needed to do, so Father, I pray your blessing on every one of these, Father, in Jesus' name, be real to them, Lord, I know you will i just I just pray that their lives become amazingly amazingly blessed as they walk with the one and only true God. Father, I pray that from this moment forward they will have testimony after testimony of your reality in their life. I pray this in Jesus, your precious holy name. You may put your hands down. I'm going to ask you, please, 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 another please, please. Don't leave today without getting someone to pray with you and giving us some contact information just so we can send you some encouraging uh, information, just so we can give you one of these uh, Living in Christ books. Please don't just walk out. If you saw somebody that you know around you, then go and pray with them. But please, you know, it's so important that we just have a chance. We won't bug you or hound you. We just want to make sure that we are involved in where you go from here because we just love you. Last group. I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to raise my hand on this one. If, if, you, if you will agree with me that, to, that this week, that you're going to start to be more diligent about what you hear, that you're going to be careful that you don't listen to things that are not true, that you try to watch what goes in your ears. So if that's you, I want to pray for you, and I'm raising my hand on that one as well. If you want to join me in just improving your hearing this week, amen. Amen. So, Father, you look at all these hands. Father, I want to watch. I watch fairly good, but I need to watch more what I hear, and that includes what the enemy speaks inside my head and sometimes tells me what I'm not and tells me what I shouldn't and tells me all those things. I, I pray that I would not listen to that. And that, Father, I would think on those things that are, that are all those attributes that Paul said. Oh, Father, help us as Christians not to be like the world, not to hear it through the grapevine, to hear it through your word. No truth when we see it. No error when we see it. I pray this all in Jesus, your holy, your precious name. Amen. If you need ministry, we'd love to pray with you after uh, now as the service closes. If you raised your hand, uh, please. For the first uh, call, please make sure you see somebody, see me, see Pastor Greg, see one of us before you go. Love you all. Have a wonderful Sunday. Go Pats.